You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, Real Paranormal Activity is proud to present Terry's Mysterious Moments. Welcome to Terry's Mysterious Moments, Season 3. Thank you for joining me on this journey into the odd, the weird, the strange. Hope you'll enjoy it. Now, on with the show. Hello everybody, I'm Terry from Texas, glad you're along for the ride. Last week I told you about some mysteries that weren't really mysteries. This week I have some more, hope you'll enjoy them. The first story I want to talk about is the, the balloon hoax. And it's the title used in collections and anthologies of a newspaper article written by Edgar Allan Poe, first published in 1844. And it was originally presented as a true story. It detailed European monk masons' trip across the Atlantic Ocean in only three days in a hot air or gas balloon. It was later revealed as a hoax and the story was retracted two days later. The story, now known as the Balloon Hoax, was first printed in the Sun newspaper in New York. The article provided a detailed and highly plausible account of a lighter-than-air balloon trip by European balloonist Monk Mason across the Atlantic Ocean, taking 75 hours, along with a diagram and specifications for the craft. Poe may have been inspired, at least in part, by a prior journalistic hoax known as the Great Moon Hoax, published in the same newspaper in 1835. One of the suspected writers of that hoax, Richard Adams Locke, was Poe's editor at the time the balloon hoax was published. Poe had complained for a decade that the paper's Great Moon Hoax had plagiarized, by way of Locke, the basic idea from the unparalleled adventure of one Hans Fall, one of Poe's less successful stories which also involved similar inhabitants on the moon. Poe felt that the sun had made tremendous profits from his story without giving him a cent. Poe's anger at the sun is chronicled in the 2008 book The Sun and the Moon by Matthew Goodman. The story was first published on April 13, 1844, in the New York Sun. It ran with the headline, Astounding News by Express via Norfolk. The Atlantic crossed in three days. Signal triumph of Mr. Monk Mason's flying machine. And it went on, Arrival at Sullivan's Island near Charleston, South Carolina, of Mr. Mason, Mr. Robert Holland, Mr. Henson, 
Mr. Harrison Ainsworth, and four others in the steering balloon Victoria after a passage of 75 hours from land to land. Full particulars on the voyage. A retraction concerning the article was printed in the Sun, April 15, 1844, and it read, Balloon. The mails from the South last Saturday night not having brought a confirmation of the arrival of the balloon from England, the particulars of which, from our correspondent, we detailed in our extra. We are inclined to believe that the intelligence is erroneous. The description of the balloon and the voyage was written with a minuteness and scientific ability calculated to obtain credit everywhere and was read with great pleasure and satisfaction. We by no means think such a project impossible. Poe himself describes the enthusiasm his story had aroused. He claims that the Sun building was besieged by people wanting copies of the newspaper. I never witnessed more intense excitement to get possession of a newspaper, he wrote. The story's impact reflects on the period's infatuation with progress. Poe added realistic elements, discussing at length the balloon's design and propulsion in believable detail. His use of real people, including William Harris and Ainsworth, also lent credence to the story. The character of Monk Mason was not a real person though he was based heavily on Thomas Monk Mason, and the story borrowed heavily from Mason's 1836 book, Account of the Late Aeronautical Expedition from London to Weilberg. The story is also an early form of science fiction, specifically responding to the emerging technology of hot air balloons. The balloon may have later been an inspiration for Jules Verne when he wrote Around the World in 80 Days. As Verne scholar William Butcher pointed out, Verne was an early admirer of Poe and his novel Five Weeks in a Balloon, and it was published within a year of his nonfiction book, Edgar Allan Poe and His Works. Verne even has a character mention Poe's story in From the Earth to the Moon. It's not difficult to see Poe's works published in France as extraordinary stories as one of the influences on Verne's extraordinary journeys. The first human carrying lighter than aircraft of any type to cross the Atlantic was in 1919. The British dirigible R-34, a direct copy of the German L-33, which crashed in Britain during World War I. The 3,559.5 mile flight from Britain to New York City took 108 hours and 12 minutes. The first human-carrying unpowered balloon to actually cross the Atlantic Ocean was Double Eagle II from August 11th to the 17th of 1978. The Pacific was crossed in three days by unmanned Japanese fire balloons in 1944, exactly 100 years after Poe's story. These fire balloons were incendiary bombs that were cut loose by Japan in order to float across the Pacific to the Americas and set fires when they would descend in the west coast of America. plan didn't really work out too much. Next story. Where's Falcon? If you'll remember the story of the Balloon Boy. You remember that one? It occurred on October 15, 2009. 
when a homemade helium-filled gas balloon shaped to resemble a silver flying saucer was released into the atmosphere above Fort Collins, Colorado by Richard and Mayumi Heaney. They then claimed that their six-year-old son Falcon was trapped inside it and authorities confirmed the balloon reached 7,000 feet during its 90-minute flight. The event attracted worldwide attention and Falcon was nicknamed Balloon Boy in the media. National Guard helicopters and local police pursued the balloon. After flying for more than an hour and approximately 50 miles, the balloon landed about 12 miles northeast of the Denver International Airport. When Falcon was not found inside and it was reported that an object had been seen falling from the balloon, a search was begun. Later that day, Falcon was found hiding in the attic of his home, where he had apparently been the entire time. Suspicions of a hoax soon arose. Their son Falcon has given conflicting answers to hiding in the attic. On one account, he was filmed on Larry King Live with the statement, You guys said that, um, we did this for the show. On other accounts, though, particularly in an interview with police, Falcon denied a show being any motivation for hiding and claimed he hid in the attic to escape his angry father's reaction to him hiding in the balloon. Okay. On October 18, 2009, Larimer County Sheriff Jim Alderdon announced his conclusion that the incident was a hoax and that the parents would likely face several felony charges. On November 13, 2009, Richard Heaney pleaded guilty to attempting to influence a public servant. He was sentenced to 90 days in jail in order to pay $36,000 in restitution and Mayumi Heaney was sentenced to 20 days of weekend jail. Heaney continues to support his innocence and denies that the controversy was a hoax. He claims the vindictive police and media lied and fabricated evidence in order to issue a sentence for him and his native Japanese wife. Associates described him as a shameless self-promoter who would do almost anything to advance his latest endeavor. The family said they first suspected Falcon Heaney was missing when, immediately after the balloon had taken off, Falcon's brother told them that he had seen the six-year-old climb into the basket of the balloon beforehand. A home video released the following day shows the launch of the balloon. Richard inspects the basket, then his family count down in unison, three, two, one, before releasing the cord. Apparently believing the cord to be tethered a few feet from the ground, the family starts screaming in distress when it floats off into the sky. Richard, who can be seen kicking the wood frame that supported the balloon, yelled, You didn't put the blanket tether down. Falcon is nowhere to be seen and nobody mentions the possibility of him being in the balloon. Good parenting. The balloon, tracked by helicopters, drifted for 60 miles, passing through Adams County, in Weld County. Planes were rerouted around the balloon's flight path. Reports that Denver International was briefly shut down were later determined to be incorrect. The balloon finally landed two hours later at around 1.30 p.m. local time near Keensburg, 12 miles northeast of the airport. When the boy was not found inside the balloon, Officials expressed concern that he might have fallen out during the flight. 
Although it was reported that it did not appear breached, Margie Martinez of the Weld County Sheriff's Office said that the door was unlocked in the balloon. A sheriff deputy reported seeing something fall from the balloon near Platteville, Colorado, and a photograph of the balloon in flight with the small black dot below was said to suggest that the boy may have fallen out or that something had detached from the balloon. At approximately 4.14 p.m., CNN and other news reported that the boy was found hiding in a cardboard box in rafters above the garage. But County Sheriff Jim Alderton later said, For all we know, he may have been two blocks down the road playing on the swing at the city park. The New York Post estimated that the total cost of the rescue operation would be about $2 million, although this has not been verified. The military helicopter flights alone during the rescue operation cost about 14500 The Colorado National Guard assisted the effort with UH-60 Blackhawk and OH-58 Kiowa helicopters. After the incident, several news agencies began questioning whether it was a hoax. Richard Heaney's lawyer, David Lane, announced on October 19th that Richard and Mayumi Heaney would surrender to police as soon as charges were filed and plead not guilty. According to the supporting affidavit that law enforcement submitted with their application for a search warrant, Mayumi later admitted that she knew all along that Falcon was in the residence. The affidavit alleges that the couple planned the hoax about two weeks before releasing the balloon on October 15th and instructed their three children to lie to authorities as well as the media regarding this hoax for the purpose of making the family more marketable for future media interest. For hours, the incident received extensive media coverage in many parts of the world with local TV helicopters broadcasting live video of the balloon and the rescue operation. The incident also sparked a Balloon Boy internet meme as the events were closely followed in blogs and social networking sites in real time, generating speculation, image editing jokes, and parodies of the story, which started even when the boy's safety was uncertain. Balloon Boy became the number one search on Google within hours of the event, and 34 of the top 40 searches on Google were related to Falcon Heaney and the incident. In July 2011, Richard Heaney auctioned the balloon, selling it to Mike Fruitman, an Aurora, Colorado businessman, for $2,502. Heaney said that proceeds would go to victims of the March 2011 Tohoku earthquake and tsunami. Editor and publisher noted that only after the crash did TV hosts stress that reports of a boy in it were unverified and raised the possibility of a hoax. Experts and commentators also criticized the media's vetting process and questioned the separation between journalism and reality television and raised concerns about the exploitation of children for news stories. Robert Thompson of the Blyer Center for Television and Popular Culture at Syracuse University said that the incident was a wake-up call to the media, but it's a wake-up call that every single one of us is going to sleep through. Thompson blamed technology rather than the media for the problem. There are two technological phenomena driving this. One is television satellite trucks 
and the ability to broadcast from anywhere. And two, is an unlimited number of platforms to place this stuff. In other words, too many outlets for people to demonstrate their stupidity. In a related story, file this under ridiculous but true and cross-reference it with Darwin Award winners and special Darwin Award nominees. The 45-minute successful flight of Larry Walters on July 2, 1982 was in a homemade airship made of an ordinary patio chair and 45 helium-filled weather balloons. The aircraft rose to an altitude of over 15,000 feet and floated from the point of takeoff in San Pedro, California into and violating controlled airspace near Los Angeles International Airport. During the landing, the aircraft became entangled in power lines, but Walters was able to safely climb down. The flight attracted worldwide media attention and inspired a later movie and imitators. Lawrence Richard Walters, who was born on April 19, 1949 and died on October 6, 1993, had often dreamed of flying but was unable to become a pilot in the United States Air Force because of his poor eyesight. He first thought of using weather balloons to fly at age 13 after seeing them hanging from the ceiling of a military surplus store. He had a career as an American truck driver. In 1982, he decided to embark upon this flying idea. His intention was to float over the Mojave Desert and then use a pellet gun to burst some of the balloons in order to land. In mid-1982, Walters and his girlfriend at the time, Carol Van Dusen, purchased 45 8-foot weather balloons and obtained helium tanks from California Toy Time Balloons. They used a forged requisition from his employer, Film Fair Studios, saying the balloons were for a television commercial. On July 2, 1982, Walters attached 43 of the balloons to his lawn chair, filled them with helium, put on a parachute, and strapped himself into the chair in the backyard of a home in San Pedro. He reportedly took his pellet gun, a CB radio, sandwiches, beer, and a camera. When his friends cut the cord that tied his lawn chair to his Jeep, Walter's lawn chair rose rapidly to a height of about 16,000 feet and was spotted from two commercial airliners. He slowly drifted over Long Beach and crossed the primary approach corridor to Long Beach Airport. He was in contact with REACT, which was back then a citizens band radio monitoring organization who recorded their conversation. REACT. What information do you wish me to tell the airport at this time as to your location and your difficulty? Larry. Uh, the difficulty is uh, this was an unauthorized balloon launch and uh, I know I'm in federal airspace and uh, I'm sure my ground crew has alerted the proper authority but uh, just call them and tell them I'm okay. After 45 minutes in the sky, Walters shot several of the balloons, taking care not to unbalance the load. 
He then accidentally dropped his pellet gun overboard. He descended slowly until the balloon's dangling cables got caught in the power line in Long Beach. The power line broke, causing a 20-minute electricity blackout. He landed unharmed on the ground. Walters was arrested by the waiting members of the Long Beach Police Department. Regional Safety Inspector Neil Savoy was reported to have said, We know he broke some part of the Federal Aviation Act, and as soon as we decide which part, some type of charge will be filed. If he had a pilot's license, we'd suspend that, but he doesn't. Walters was initially fined $4,000 for violations under U.S. Federal Aviation Regulations, including operating an aircraft within an airport traffic area without establishing and maintaining two-way communications with the control tower. Walters appealed and the fine was reduced to $1,500. A charge of operating a civil aircraft for which there is not currently in effect an airworthiness certificate, I'm not sure how that would have happened in the first place, was, was dropped as it was not applicable in his class of aircraft. Now, they have classes for lawn chairs? Just after landing, Walter spoke to the press saying, It was something I had to do. I had this dream for 20 years, and if I hadn't done it, I think I would have ended up in the funny farm. The aircraft was dubbed Inspiration One. Lawn Chair Larry was awarded the title of At-Risk Survivor in the 1993 Dove Awards. After his flight, Walters was briefly in demand as a motivational speaker and quit his job as a truck driver. He was featured in a Timex print ad in the early 1990s, but never made much money from his fame. The lawn chair used in the flight was reportedly given to an admiring boy named Jerry, though Walters regretted doing so when the Smithsonian Institution asked him to donate it to the museum. Twenty years later, Jerry sent an email to Mark Berry, a pilot who had documented Walters' story and dedicated a website to it, and identified himself. The chair was still sitting in his garage, attached to some of the original tethers and water jugs used as ballast. The chair was on loan to the San Diego Air and Space Museum and was on exhibition through 2014. Later in his life, Walters hiked the San Gabriel Mountains and did volunteer work for the United States Forest Service. He later broke up with his girlfriend of 15 years and could only find work sporadically as a security guard. On a sad closing note, October 6, 1993, at the age of 44, Larry Walters took his own life in Angeles National Forest. And we file these additional tales under Interesting But Stupid to Try, or Imitation is the Sincerest Form of Stupidity, or perhaps What on Earth Were They Thinking? Larry's flight had imitators. It also spawned the extreme sport of cluster ballooning. On two th- July 7, 2007, Kent Couch, a 47-year-old American gas station owner from Bend, Oregon, reportedly flew 240 miles in his lawn chair, landing in a field about 3.5 miles north-northwest of North Powder, Oregon, 
about 30 miles from the Idaho border. Traveling an average of 22 miles, Couch used plastic bags filled with 75 liters of water as ballast against the 105 large helium balloons tied to his lawn chair. Like Walters, Couch had a BB gun on hand to shoot the balloons in order to initiate descent. After the flight, he developed a way to release helium from the balloons, allowing for a more controlled descent. During a second flight on July 5, 2008, Couch realized his goal of interstate travel when he landed safely in western Idaho. The trip totaled 240 miles, took 9 hours and 12 minutes. On January 13, 2008, the Brazilian Roman Catholic priest and human rights defender Adelir Antonio de Carli lifted off from Ampere, Brazil, suspended under 600 helium-filled party balloons. Now, I don't know what size these party balloons were, but I have a problem with saying only 600 of them because Mythbusters did an episode on how many balloons it would take based on the Up movie based uh, how many helium balloons it would take to lift a child and the answer was 3500 to get the child just a few inches off the floor. Balloons that he was flying reached an altitude of 17,400 feet before landing safely in Argentina. Not to be dissuaded, on April 20th, 2008, he lifted off from Paranagua, Brazil in an attempt to fly 450 miles inland to Dourados, Brazil, and he flew using a chair suspended under 1,000 party balloons, and again, I think that's doubtful, reaching an altitude of 20,000 feet. Not having checked the weather forecast, he got caught in a storm. He had a GPS, but didn't know how to operate it, and he was last heard on the radio eight hours after liftoff, approaching the water after flying off the coast. Unable to give his position, and he crashed into the Atlantic Ocean. Part of his body was found by the Brazilian Navy near an offshore oil platform on July 4, 2008. The act won him the 2008 Darwin Award. On May 28, 2010, the American adventurer Jonathan Trapp crossed the English Channel by cluster balloon, departing near Chalik, England, and crossing over the White Cliffs of Dover at St. Margaret's Bay. He made landfall again over Dunkirk, France, and then tracked inland, landing in a farmer's cabbage patch in France. Trapp continued to experiment in cluster ballooning flights. In 2011, he replicated the uphouse for a National Geographic television program. In 2013, he tried to cross the Atlantic, but after taking off in Maine, he landed in Canada after being unable to control his balloon. July 6, 2015, Daniel Boria of Calgary, Canada, tied about 100 helium balloons to a garden chair and flew over his city in a publicity stunt. He escaped his balloon pod by cutting himself loose and deploying his parachute. On October 20, 2017, Tom Morgan of Bristol, England, reached heights of 8,000 feet using 100 color helium balloons and has flown 15.5 miles over South Africa. It's things like this that just keep proving the need for the Darwin Awards. Well, that's all I'm going to have time for this week. I'll continue these stories next week.
I want to remind you that on Mondays, Aaron Hunter has Real Paranormal Activity, the podcast. On Tuesdays, we have Aaron Frail, who does Aaron's Horror Show. Wednesdays, it's me, Terry's Mysterious Moments. And on alternating Thursdays, we have Patrick Sean Jones with the Sandman Lullaby. And on the first Friday of the month, we have video reports from Full Dark Productions and The Witching Hour. Remember that you can go to your app store on either Apple or Android, download the RPA app, and when you open that up in your whatever you listen to the program on, you will not have to go looking for the shows. They will be right there all together. So look for that, the RPA app on your app stores. Well, that's all I have for this week, so I want to thank you for being along. Come back next week. I hope you enjoy the show. Have a great week. Bye-bye.